Hello, everyone, and welcome back after several months off to another episode of Every Square Inch. If you don't know, my name is Robert Cunningham. This podcast serves as an outlet for me to engage in public discussion through what I hope is a faithful Christian framework. I am returning from a sabbatical that my church graciously extended to me, and I must say that sabbaticals work. I I feel refreshed, renewed, uh, recommitted to my calling. And the last episode I recorded, you may recall, was my attempt to explain why sabbaticals are necessary for pastors, and I issued a challenge uh, to the listeners for you to share the podcast with your church leadership and request that uh, your pastor be granted a sabbatical. And I'm happy to report that I heard from several churches that had made the decision to grant their pastor a sabbatical after listening to that podcast, uh, which just makes me so happy. I'm praying there were many more that I didn't hear from, and it's also not too late. On the other side of my sabbatical, I can say with even more confidence that no church will regret giving their pastor space for extended Sabbath rest. Now, what to discuss on my first episode back. If you are familiar with the content of this podcast, you know that often I'm engaging, I guess you could say, trending news and topics from a Christian perspective. The problem, however, is that I have been disconnected from the trends, so to speak. I logged off all my social media accounts, for the most part, didn't consume much news, and truly took a break from society. It was amazing. I highly recommend it, at least for a season. But I do feel a bit out of the loop, culturally speaking, but it also afforded me another vantage point that I want to discuss in this episode, and here's what I mean. Sometimes, maybe oftentimes, it is very easy not to see the forest for the trees, culturally speaking, especially in an age where stories are coming at you with breakneck speed, uh, trending topics are peaking and dissolving overnight, It is very easy to get lost in the endless unfolding developments and never see the bigger picture of what is truly going on. And I felt like my ability to unplug from the details of our cultural chaos afforded me the ability to examine the chaos itself. And there are several observations I have, but I wanted to speak to one in particular. And I'm warning you up front, you will be tempted to dismiss this which I believe only reinforces its significance. If I were to diagnose our chaotic social order with one word, it would be this, demonic. And when I say demonic, I actually mean demonic, as in Satan, as in forces of darkness, unseen principalities of evil at work, manifesting in very real, experiential, cultural disorder. What if behind the evil and strife that we can see is a realm of evil and strife that is unseen? What if the forest that we, again, tend to miss because of the trees, what if that forest itself is, on an ultimate level, a cosmic battle in the heavenly realms? Do you believe in the devil? If you are not a person of faith, then certainly the answer is no. If you are a Christian, then perhaps it's yes in theory, but no in practicality. Meaning, yes, you believe, of course you believe, it's in the Bible, you have to believe, but not in any real consequential way. 
And so a podcast that does cultural engagement, discussing satanic influence over culture, probably comes across to both Christian and non-Christians alike as irrelevant to the discussion. But I want to suggest that nothing could be more relevant. One of the things that I love about Dr. Anthony Bradley, a religious scholar at King's College in New York, is that he intentionally brings up the plausibility of satanic influence all the time. He knows very well that it feels lowbrow for sophisticated Christians, and certainly those in academia, to talk about the devil. But he unapologetically includes the work of Satan in his analysis of things because he wholeheartedly sees this as a plausible contributing factor. And after retreating for several months, spending more time in prayer than on Twitter, reading my Bible more than my news app, intentionally seeking to walk by faith, not by sight, after my sabbatical, I find myself more in agreement with Dr. Bradley than ever before. 1 John 3.8 says that the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. I believe that. I believe that the devil is at work ruining God's created order and that the work of Jesus through his people is to destroy those works. That is the bottom line work of Christians in culture, to destroy the work of the devil. So what is Satan up to in our cultural contexts? Of course, there are many things, but what I want to do is turn to C.S. Lewis and his brilliant and important work, The Screwtape Letters. If you haven't read it, you need to. Uh, the concept, as many of you know, is that it's written from the perspective of a demon named Screwtape, thus the Screwtape Letters, and Screwtape is writing to his young demonic protege, Wormwood. And Screwtape is advising Wormwood on what to do with his, quote, patient. Patient is a newly converted Christian that Wormwood has been assigned to, to torment. And so it's written to give an inside perspective on the schemes of the devil and his evil forces. Now, all the letters are brilliant in their own way, but one in particular, I believe, is prophetic for our context. It's the seventh letter. If you want to ask me what Satan is up to, culturally speaking, my answer is the seventh letter of Screwtape Letters, wherein Lewis gives us two brilliant observations, and I want to outline them both for us and show you how they're manifesting themselves in our culture. The first has to do with the belief in the devil at all. So the question Wormwood, again, the fictitious pupil, is asking Screwtape, again, the demonic mentor, is whether he should make himself known to his patient through stereotypical demonic activity like we see in Scripture. This is what Screwtape says, quote, Our policy for the moment is to conceal ourselves. Of course, this has not always been so. We are really faced with a cruel dilemma. When the humans disbelieve in our existence, we lose all the pleasing results of direct terrorism. So Screwtape is saying, when humans don't believe in our existence, we lose out on the pleasure of overt demonic torture and activity. Two of our staff members from the church just returned from Togo, West Africa. And if you don't believe in demonic oppression and possession and activity, then it's only because you've never visited a culture like that. In the modern West, we don't see much spiritual manifestations, but in cultures uh, that were formed by the influence of voodoo and witchcraft and so forth, you will feel like at times you have stepped into a horror movie. The stuff is real. 
And Screwtape is saying, that stuff is fun for us. But even still, it's best to keep people in the dark when it comes to our reality. Why? Continue on. Screwtape says, when they believe in us, we cannot make them materialists and skeptics. Materialists, skeptics, the crisis of unbelief is far more preferable to Satan. This, this has echoes of that uh, classic line from The Usual Suspects, the greatest trick the devil ever pulled was to convince the world he doesn't exist. The enemy of God does not want you to believe in God, or in any transcendence for that matter. And making himself seem wholly implausible and silly is a means toward that end. So how does he accomplish this? Screwtape goes on to say this. I do not think you will have much difficulty in keeping the patient in the dark, meaning in the dark to our reality. The fact that devils are predominantly comic figures in the modern imagination will help you. If any faint suspicion of your existence begins to arise in his mind, suggest to him a picture of something in red tights and persuade him that since he cannot believe in that, he therefore cannot believe in you. So here's what he's saying. Let's keep him disbelieving in our reality, which shouldn't be hard in their culture of unbelief. And if they do start to wonder and inquire, he's saying point them towards silly caricatures of Satan, you know, red tights, horns, pitchforks, and so forth. Meaning turn our transcendent reality into a cartoonish fiction so that it's easily dismissed. And so this is us. The whole notion of a fallen angel commanding a host of demonic forces in an unseen realm is simply ludicrous. And disbelief in spiritual realities is the greatest form of spiritual oppression. Satan loves a materialistic secular society where belief in higher truths, including his own, seems silly and childish and lowbrow for sophisticated people like us. He is just fine with our denial of him if it yields a denial of his enemy, God. And then that secular materialism reaps a harvest of materialistic idols that enslave and torment just as much as any demonic oppression. The reason why our staff was over in West Africa recently was to visit our partnering pastor, um, uh, minister by the name of Macklin Bossy. Is a dear friend. And like I said, there, there is stuff over there in West Africa that would freak you out as an American. But here's the thing. Every time Macklin visits us in the state, he gets freaked out. He becomes overwhelmed with the oppression of our culture, an oppression that he calls demonic. The greed, the uh, ravenous overconsumption, the endless distractions and entertainment, the hedonistic pleasures, and on and on we could go with the idols that have emerged from our secular world of unbelief. It's just so oppressive. And that freaks Macklin out as much as demonic oppression freaks us out. So make no mistake, spiritual warfare is a reality everywhere. It's just that in our culture, that warfare is a guerrilla warfare a covert operation that yields the oppression of unbelief and worldly idolatry. 
Okay, then Lewis moves into another scheme of the devil that is also incredibly relevant in our context. The Screwtape Letters take place during an incredibly divided time in British history. It's during the Second War, and the culture is divided by an extreme British patriotism that supports the war and an extreme anti-British pacifism that is against the war. And Screwtape loves this divide and encourages Wormwood to use it to his advantage. Quote, I have not forgotten my promise to consider whether we should make the patient, remember the patient is a Christian here, whether we should make the patient an extreme patriot or an extreme pacifist. All extremes, except extreme devotion to the enemy, are to be encouraged. What a quote that is. Let me say that again. All extremes, except extreme devotion to the enemy, remember the enemy is God, except extreme devotion to the enemy, are to be encouraged. Continue on. Not always, of course, but at this period. Some ages are lukewarm and complacent, and then it is our business to soothe them yet faster asleep. Other ages, of which the present is one, are unbalanced and prone to faction, and it is our business to inflame them. Here's what he's saying. Sometimes the culture isn't in crisis. Things are good, no controversies or emergencies, and our business then is to lull them asleep into the stupor of lukewarm complacency. But other times are unbalanced times of crisis, which are prone to factions, in which case it is our business to inflame the divide. Now I ask you, where do you think we are right now? You know the answer. We are a fractured, raging, divided culture, and Satan's scheme in this present age is to inflame that divide and for you to get caught up in it. Then Lewis concludes with these words that I'm going to read slowly, adding some comments so that we can really digest them because they are so profound for where we find ourselves and what I think is happening in so many Christians' lives. All right, here we go. Quote, Whichever he adopts, meaning whichever he adopts, patriotism or pacifism, your main task will be the same. Let him begin by treating the patriotism or the pacifism as a part of his religion, meaning patriotism or pacifism is a part of Christianity. Then let him under the influence of partisan spirit come to regard it as the most important part, saying this, patriotism or pacifism inflamed by partisanship moves to become the most important part of Christianity. Okay, continue on. Then quietly and gradually nurse him onto the stage at which the religion becomes merely part of the cause, in which Christianity is valued chiefly because of the excellent arguments it can produce in favor of the British war effort or of pacifism. So this is what he's saying. Patriotism or pacifism becomes the religion and Christianity only serves as a means to support that religion. All right, continue on. Here's the next stage. The attitude which you want to guard against 
is that in which temporal affairs are treated primarily as material for, for obedience. This is what he's saying. Don't let him value Christianity above all else and view the partisan divide as an opportunity to demonstrate his obedience to Jesus. He says this, Once you have made the world an end and faith a means, you have almost won your man. And it makes very little difference what kind of worldly end he is pursuing. He's saying, I don't care what worldly extreme he's pursuing, just as long as the worldly extreme is the end and his religion is, is a means to that end. Now listen to this very carefully. When meetings, pamphlets, policies, movements, causes, and crusades matter more to him than prayers and sacraments and charity, he is ours. Wow. When partisan news, blogs, podcasts, social media, political rallies and protests, when all of these things matter more to him than prayers and sacraments and charity, he is ours. Friends, if you are a listener to this podcast, then you know how much I lament the partisan divide in our country, and most specifically, the Christian participation in that divide. It is killing us. But I am convicted to add more weight to that lament. It is satanic. The devil doesn't care which side of the divide you are on. He just wants you entrenched in that divide, consumed by that divide. He doesn't care if Fox News or MSNBC is your thing. He just wants you discipled by them rather than his enemy God. It is satanic what has become of our culture. 1 Peter 5, 8. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. In our culture, in this moment, he devours by devouring us with the cultural divide. Resist the devil by resisting the divide. You know, it's become trendy for people to dump on what's called a third-way mentality. It's a criticism I often receive. Third way, meaning affirm and critique both sides of the divide and to present another way forward built upon those affirmations and critiques. This, in our extreme culture, is viewed as a cowardly compromise. Choose a side. Quit trying to play the balancing act and have the courage to choose a side. Friends, it's not a third way. It's the way, the truth, the life. You could easily throw the third way accusation at Jesus because he likewise transcended the divides of his culture. No matter one's extreme, Jesus challenged it every time. The devil wants to inflame your extreme. Jesus wants to challenge your extreme. Why? Because all extremes are a threat to extreme devotion to his kingdom. Again, to quote Screwtape, all extremes except extreme devotion to the enemy are to be encouraged. Brothers and sisters, let's get ourselves under control. <laughs> let's, let's reorient ourselves around the kingdom of God, which never follows the predictable patterns of worldly extremes. The greatest form of cultural engagement in our day, the greatest way to serve the common good, 
The greatest way to destroy the works of the devil is to renounce cultural extremes in the name of extreme devotion to Christ. Thanks for listening. Thanks for taking the time to listen. It's fun for me to be back. As always, the greatest way you can show your support is a five-star rating and a kind review. And we will be back soon with another episode of Every Square Inch. Thank you.